0: You're watching Global BC.
1: This is Global News Hour at 6. You're looking at a live shot right now in downtown Vancouver, Georgia and Hamilton, where a protest is underway. Anti-pipeline activists voicing their opposition to Ottawa's decision today to allow the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion to proceed.
2: Good evening and thanks for joining us. That is where we begin tonight. The federal government giving the green light to the expansion, kicking off a series of rallies today, both in support and against the pipeline.
1: We'll have more on that in a moment. First, though, Richard Zussman has more on the decision and what it means moving forward.
3: It was Canada's worst kept secret. I am announcing that our government has newly approved the Trans Mountain Expansion Project going forward.
0: The federal government owns the existing pipeline, one they bought for $4.5 billion. Now they're moving to expand the pipeline, moving crude oil from Alberta to the terminal in Burnaby after First Nations consultation with a likely cost of more than $10 billion. Ottawa says it's still committed to addressing concerns around the environment.
3: That's why we've decided that every dollar the federal government earns from this project will be invested in Canada's clean energy transition. But critics
0: of the project, Premier John Horgan, chief among them, don't
3: believe there will
0: be any profits to go around.
4: I see a significant amount of money to lay uh, twinning of the pipe and I've not seen any confirmed markets. So, the, The notion that there will be profits to distribute to Indigenous peoples or to communities or to address climate action is not yet real for me. The BC government plans on
0: continuing with its legal challenge over the right to restrict the flow of bitumen. And there are questions about how big the demand is for crude oil. The Canadian public,
4: and particularly the British Columbia public, have been spun a bill of goods.
5: Good afternoon.
0: A much different reaction on the other side of the Rockies. In Alberta, this project is being welcomed with open arms.
5: This is a critical project for Canada's economic future. For good jobs, to be able to pay for critical social programs like health care and education.
0: Trans Mountain says Tuesday's announcement is the end of a lengthy review considering thousands of hours of environmental studies and scientific evidence. The goal is to get shovels in the ground by the end of this construction season. The Prime Minister also announcing a new round of consultation with Indigenous groups around potentially owning the pipeline, then speaking directly to British Columbians.
3: To British Columbians who worry about a spill, for example, know that we take your concerns very seriously.
0: But there are many across the province who aren't convinced and will do everything they can to stop shovels from ever digging into B.C.'s ground. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
2: Now, Tanya Beja is live in downtown Vancouver with more on the reaction to today's decision. Uh, we see a lot of that reaction right behind you, Tanya. A strong showing of those against it. That's right, Sophie. There are probably about 200
6: people here right now, members of First Nations groups, environmental groups. We've seen some city councillors here as well, all raising their voices against the Trans Mountain expansion, holding pins and signs like this one, Stop Trudeau's Pipeline. Now, they call today's decision disappointing, but not surprising. This is one of two rallies in Vancouver today. People on both sides of the debate speaking out. Pipeline supporters breathing a sigh of relief after years of waiting for the green light.
7: Canada needs this project to go forward because we need to have a, a, an example of a successful energy project so that international investors will see that they have confidence in Canada.
6: Workers from the oil and construction industries applauding the federal government's decision to approve the Trans Mountain expansion project, one they say will create more than 4,000 jobs.
7: We don't want construction to be delayed for another week or month or to the fall. It needs to commence right.
6: But they will face strong opposition all along the route from environmental groups who are condemning the announcement, calling the Liberal government's stance hypocritical.
8: The idea that they declared it a climate emergency last night And less than 24 hours later are approving a 20% expansion of the Alberta tar sands. Uh, It's disgusting.
6: Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says profits from the pipeline project will be invested in Canada's clean energy transition. But for many, it's too
8: little too late. We have to cut emissions in half by 10 years. And, you know, planning for money that a future government may or may not spend when this is over is not going to be enough. Uh.
6: Leaders of British Columbia's Indigenous communities are vowing to take their battle against the pipeline to the Federal Court of Appeal. We believe that the consultation once again missed the mark
9: set by the Supreme Court of Canada, and we will defend our rights.
7: This government is not committed to reconciliation when they choose to fight us in court, when they choose to approve these pipelines without our consent, and when they choose to behave
4: in such a dishonorable way.
6: Kennedy Stewart, already arrested once for taking a stand, says he will fight the project again.
4: We can no longer afford to live in the past. Our children can't afford it, and we will fight to make ensure this expansion never happens.
6: Well, Ottawa says this project will get underway this construction season. As you can see, there are plenty of people ready to stop it.
2: Chris and Sophie, back to you. All right, Tanya Beja reporting in downtown Vancouver. Thank you.
1: All right, let's go to Victoria and bring in Keith Baldry now. Keith, construction on the pipeline stopped last August, the result of that legal Mm -hmm. challenge from some First Nations. But we also know that there are other Indigenous groups that support this project.
4: Yeah, this is sort of a late development in this uh, multi-year saga, Chris. Uh, so, yeah, First Nations, certainly leaders like Stuart Phillip, a lot of attention uh, early on in this for their opposition. Now more and more First Nations are speaking out in favour of the pipeline. In fact, there are now two consortiums of comprised of First Nations, the Iron Coalition of uh, First Nations along the route of the pipeline and what's called uh, Project Reconciliation, which is First Nations right across Western Canada. The Prime Minister today, in his talk uh, in Ottawa, raising the, the population, possibility of First Nations potentially owning up to 100% of the pipeline, and we talked to the chair and director of Project Reconciliation to get his take. Needless to say, he's happy with what he heard today.
3: When it comes to potential Indigenous buy-in, we're not putting a limit on it. Indigenous ownership in Trans Mountain Corporation could be 25%, 50%, or even 100%.
6: And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, this is in the national interest. And I think First Nations, we need to be in a position where we're open for business and we're ready to, you know, look at what's uh, best for our people. And I think what's best for our people is looking at having a stake in uh, Trans Mountain Pipeline.
1: Keith, a little earlier we heard uh, Tanya mention that Trans Mountain says it wants shovels in the ground Mm -hmm. before this construction season is over. How realistic is that?
4: Well, Trans Mountain issued a statement today saying they are now going back to the National Energy Board, asking the board to basically reapprove all the permits that were approved previously. Uh, and so back to the state of construction readiness at the time of that court ruling. Nothing's been done since then. If the NAB doesn't rule and, and accede to the request, they have to start back at square one. Trans Mountain, though, confident the NAB will do what they're asking. They can get shovels in the ground literally within a matter of weeks.
1: All right, Keith, thank you. All right. And while the timing was coincidental, given the Trans Mountain announcement today, there is a lot of interest in this large-scale oil spill response exercise in Vancouver Harbor. We'll have more on that coming up later.
2: In other news tonight, new concerns about Surrey's plan to transition from RCMP to a municipal force. Councillor Brenda Locke says she's worried the plan will mean fewer resources for programs like Sophie's Place. That's a centre for children who are victims of mental, physical or sexual abuse. Last year, more than 180 kids accessed the program's. And this fall, an expansion to include older kids is expected to push that number to more than 300. With that expansion, the centre was set to receive additional officers from the RCMP's Special Victims Unit. But under the Municipal Policing Plan, Locke says the number of officers will stay the same at seven.
10: To really achieve the outcomes that everyone dreams of, including I know our mayor and council care deeply about kids, Um, we really do need the resources in the same integrated way.
7: Here at Sophie's Place, these are very, very specialized officers. These are not uh, just the rank-and-file officers. Now, Surrey's Mayor
2: Doug McCallum responded in a statement saying the information counselor Locke is providing amounts to fear-mongering. Staffing levels for Surrey Police, just as it is now for Surrey RCMP, is determined by the Chief of Police.
1: Vancouver has become one of the first major Canadian cities to produce a state of downtown report. The Downtown Vancouver Business Improvement Association releasing its inaugural report today, highlighting the people, the businesses and places that contribute to downtown Vancouver's economy and its vibrancy. Among the key findings, more than four million square feet of office space will be added by 2023, bringing approximately 20,000 jobs to the downtown core night bus ridership has increased 21% since the establishment of the TransLink's night bus district. And although Vancouver may not have ride-sharing services such as Lyft or Uber, it ranks first in North America for car-sharing services like Evo and Car2Go.
4: It's really helpful for us as an organization to then take this information and uh, help focus on the work that we're going to do in the upcoming years. And hopefully direct uh, policymakers at different levels of government to focus on those issues that are really important. By adding 20,000 new employees in the downtown over the next five years, that's going to have a huge impact on our transit system, a huge impact on our housing stock and affordability. And we need to focus more of a light on these issues. Otherwise, uh, we're going to have a more challenging time moving ahead.
1: One more finding, and this one probably little surprise. Vancouver is dubbed the sushi capital of Canada, with approximately 50 sushi spots in the downtown core alone. Right now, though, a provincial rule change affecting ALR land in Langley has left a number of families with big plans in limbo.
2: In the past, the township could issue permits for secondary dwelling if a certain farming criteria had been met. But now critics say those rules have changed. And with little warning, Aaron MacArthur has the fallout. This is it.
11: This was the pathway which was going to be done in brick that would lead to Grandma's house.
7: What was supposed to be home is now an empty field. And according to the rules, it has to stay that way. Kathy and Brian Fichter's retirement plans evaporated when the government changed the law surrounding the agricultural land reserve.
12: The legislation is
10: so flawed, so flawed, there's just no other word to explain it.
7: The Fichters and their daughter's family bought the property to better meet their multi-generational needs. The five acres will be home to a hobby farm. The legislation was changed to prevent mega-homes from being built on the ALR. But caught in the middle are people like the Fichters, who can't afford to build a new home and can't build a small second home either.
9: It's beyond frustrating right now. It's so stressful.
2: We look at the size of the modular home that my parents purchased and the footprint that our home here takes up, and it's considerably less than a a lot of the larger homes that we see going in.
7: The Liberal opposition has been arguing for months. The legislation is too rigid and doesn't allow for reasonable exceptions. The NDP said that they would consult with farmers. They said that they would finally make a decision in November of 2019. They pushed their
11: legislation through in February. That's why the farming community is so angry.
7: The Minister of Agriculture couldn't do an on-camera interview, but said in a statement, we expect soon to allow a grandfathering period for manufactured homes for immediate family members in order to better balance the protection of the ALR with the diverse needs of the people who call it home. Right now it's
9: definitely stuck um, it, from, from our point of view. There's, there are many, many families that are fighting this as well. The
7: township has issued a permit for a secondary home. The manufactured home is ready to go. The only thing missing is provincial government approval. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
2: And the use of agricultural land is pitting neighbor against neighbor in Penticton, with a local winery planning an
1: expansion. The Poplar Grove Winery wants to build a luxury hotel on a neighboring 1.3-acre property. But after concerns were raised about the project, a revised plan is being put forward to city council tonight. Global Shelby Tom reports.
13: The owners of Poplar Grove Winery have a dream to build a luxury hotel in the heart of wine country. But the Agricultural Land Commission has quashed plans to build the hotel on this piece of ALR land adjacent to the winery, saying it's inconsistent with the preservation of agricultural land.
7: Because the property wasn't associated with the farm, they considered it a commercial use, Uh, not a farm use.
13: So the proponents went back to the drawing board. They still want to build the four-story hotel, but on the non-ALR portion of land currently where this house is situated, it will contain 20 rooms, albeit smaller in size, and plans have been scrapped for a restaurant and lounge. Some neighbors remain sour to the hotel expansion. An online petition garnered 400 virtual signatures last year. It's
14: going to change the nature of the
15: neighborhood, increase traffic noise, Um, And this is going to be something that's adverse. I don't think this current design uh,
6: changes our opinions.
13: Proponent and property owner Barb Holler couldn't be reached for comment, but says in a letter to mayor and council that they should support the project as there is a need for high-end tourism accommodation on the bench. City staff agree there is a lack of luxury hotel options for the wine tourism market.
7: When you look at other world-class wine destinations, um, you know, It it is a missing piece, and and that was identified by our agricultural uh, community and ultimately why staff and council supported this initiative in the first place.
13: The matter is sitting at third reading, and council could adopt the zoning amendment tonight, call another public hearing, or put a cork in the plans altogether. I'm
14: hoping there'll
12: be some sober second, second
1: thoughts and wisdom. Shelby Tom, Global News. The Vancouver Aquarium is preparing to discharge several hundred of its most recent guests.
2: The aquarium has been raising 1,600 endangered northern leopard frog le- tadpoles and will release them into a natural habitat next week. The northern leopard frog is the most endangered amphibian in B.C. And over the past six years, the aquarium has raised and released more than 7,000 tadpoles
4: when we release them as tadpoles we think it's probably better for homing as adults like maybe they get used to the scent of the water and they'll find their way back to breeding sites whereas releasing adult animals is kind of a question mark do they know where to find breeding sites uh, for some frogs maybe yes for some frogs yeah we still don't know
2: a Vancouver Island mother and father are telling a heartbreaking story of their son's descent into drug addiction and ultimately his death in his own bedroom.
1: They are the first of 40 witnesses expected to testify at a coroner's inquest into the death of their son, Elliot, who died despite their desperate attempts to save him. Kylie Stanton reports.
10: He's missed every day.
14: A life cut short at just 16 years old. And now the parents of Elliot Yurchuk are having to relive it all over again.
10: The sadness and grief, it doesn't diminish. It's just there. You try to live your life around it.
14: The B.C. Coroner's Service announced the inquiry back in March, saying the public had an interest in hearing the circumstances surrounding the death of the Oak Bay teen.
8: A jury will be listening to all of that evidence that comes forward, ultimately looking to gather information to
11: make recommendations.
14: On April 20th of last year, Elliot was found unresponsive in his room, the lights on. It appeared he had overdosed.
15: I think there was heroin, methamphetamine, cocaine, um, and um,
14: fentanyl. Elliot had become addicted to the powerful opioid Dilaudid after suffering a series of sports injuries and requiring a string of surgeries. When the prescriptions ran out, he turned to the streets, even going as far as taking drugs from his mother's dental office. Today, the inquiry focused on whether or not Elliot was dealing drugs and his parents' effort to get information about their son's care. They've said the BC Infants Care Act prevented them from making decisions about and being informed of their son's treatment. On the stand, in response to questions about a non-responsive incident at the hospital, Elliot's father recalled a discussion with a doctor. I said, I need to know why my son was dead on your hospital bed 12 hours ago. No one is telling me anything. We need information. This went back and forth. I challenged her. I said, are you going to be parenting Elliot if and when he gets discharged from the hospital? Because I can't parent a child if I don't know what he's doing with his body.
10: Clearly, uh, a review of the systems that are in place and the mechanisms that are in place to address vulnerable youth need to be improved.
14: It's too late for Elliot, but the jury of five will review the testimony from 40-plus witnesses and recommend measures to try and prevent future tragedies. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria.
2: A passenger on a flight from Kosovo to Switzerland captures terrifying violent turbulence. Ten people were injured, including that flight attendant in yellow who was literally thrown into the ceiling of the cabin. The rest of the video shows passengers crying, screaming and praying. The plane did eventually land safely.
1: Facebook is jumping into the cryptocurrency market and aiming at global customers with its new product called Libra.
2: The social media giant is hoping you'll buy in, backed by some big names in traditional currency. But with its spotty record on privacy, experts are raising some red flags.
8: The
10: Facebook plan replaced the world's dollars, euros, francs, yen, and pesos with a new cryptocurrency called the Libra, used by people all over the world, cutting fees and exchange rates. Similar to payment apps Venmo and Zelle, you could use your phone to transfer Libra to friends, shop online, or pay at your local store. 28 companies have already signed up to launch and govern the use of the Libra, including Visa, MasterCard, MasterCard, Uber, Lyft, eBay, Spotify, and PayPal, as Facebook now tries to take a bite out of Amazon's dominance in e-commerce. But analysts say years of hacks, privacy violations, and Russian trolls have undermined the public's trust in Facebook.
2: On the dollar, there's in God we trust, and this is in cryptocurrency, do we trust Facebook? that's really the question.
10: Facebook says it won't manage the new financial system. Instead, it's launching a subsidiary called Calibra to do that, saying Calibra will not share account information or financial data with Facebook or any third party without customer consent, and promising strong protections in place to keep your money and your information safe. But wait, you ask, what about Bitcoin's? super volatile and popular with cyber crooks. But without regulators, it's been slow to catch on for e-commerce. Facebook says the Libra will be pegged to real currencies with a regulatory system. Still, some cybersecurity pros are recommending a go slow approach. My advice is if you get an offer to start using Libra,
1: proceed with caution. Let other users be the guinea pigs.
2: An amazing survival story out of Kansas, with a warning, some of the pictures might not be for the squeamish.
1: That's right. 15-year-old Eli Gregg is recovering in hospital now. A small cut on his cheek is the only visible sign of a near-death experience. He and his friends were playing with a 10-inch knife when he fell, and the knife ended up in his face. The tip of the knife stopping just under his brain and just short of cutting the major artery that supplies blood to the brain.
0: Like, if it would have like, so much as like, moved just the slightest up there, it, it could have been the end of me. I finally get to see the rest of my family, I get to go
12: home.
1: Removing the knife required a detailed surgical plan and extensive preparation. Eli is expected to make a full recovery with only a small scar. Yikes.
2: Well, don't play with knives don't play <laughs>
1: that's a, advice your mother gave you yeah seems
2: basic <laughs> all right american and british researchers say they've discovered why dogs have the ability to say so much with just their eyes
1: they believe it all boils down to the evolution of muscles in a dog's face that developed because of their relationship to humans
5: have you ever felt like you can read a dog's mind like when you look at those little faces that say hey you got any treat what i didn't eat that shoe. And why are you making me wear this? And it turns out there is some evolutionary science behind these puppy dog eyes and it has to do with this muscle right above their eyebrows. A new study by a team of evolutionary psychologists showing dogs have perfected the art of the eyebrow raise, developing stronger muscles above their eyes than their cousins the wolf, whose same facial muscles are pretty weak. And over centuries of breeding, humans have subconsciously favored dogs with expressive eyes and while you might have seen some dogs online trying to take their conversations with us to the next level I love you I good girl I, win, I win. others are making do with the slightest little twitch so the next time your dog looks at you and asks I'm a good boy right I had for us after the or night. hey lester when are you coming home oh,
0: okay kisses All right.
5: <laughs> you can think thousands of years of dogs learning to speak silently and literally evolving into man's best friend.
1: Gotti Schwartz, NBC News. Pretty cute, I would say. (laughs) Bold Lester over, that's for Mm -hmm. sure. In health matters tonight, another big step towards a new St. Paul's Hospital for downtown Vancouver. The
2: Rotary Club has pledged $6 million to fund half of a state-of-the-art hearing center. The other $6 million will come from the hospital's own fundraising efforts. The Rotary Club has been involved with support for people with hearing problems for more than 30
4: years. We'd like to see all the facilities that are now scattered up around the province uh, to some degree brought together under one roof in a... Uh, premier facility that provides uh, the best care possible for people who are suffering with hearing disorders.
2: Well, with our unseasonably hot and dry June weather across B.C., comes a growing fear that the coming fire season could be another bad one.
1: Yeah, and for many people, that means struggling with bad air quality. As Linda Aylesworth reports, officials are reminding us how to prepare for the health risks.
15: There seems little doubt that this year will once again be warmer and drier than historic averages, particularly in southwest BC. Such forecasts as we've come to know can have a downside.
8: With warmer and drier conditions comes an elevated risk of wildfires. Uh, And similarly, warm conditions particularly exacerbate the formation of ground-level ozone.
15: You can see how the levels of fine particulate matter and ozone have skyrocketed in recent summers. As a result, Metro Vancouver called a first-of-its-kind media briefing.
12: I think we're all hoping for a quieter wildfire season, but we've been pretty severely impacted for three of the last four summers. So we want to ensure that we're really, really well prepared.
15: How do we prepare? For people with chronic lung conditions and heart conditions, um, we ask that they um, come up with a plan with their family physician, um, that they make sure that they have any rescue medications on hand. That's because the particles in smoke can do more than merely irritate airways.
12: When it gets into your lung, your, your body looks at it as something that's foreign. And so they would attack it like they would attack a bacteria.
15: And that triggers an immune response that can cause any number of cardiovascular complications.
8: It's important, especially in air quality advisory conditions, that people do take those seriously, that they limit their outdoor activities.
15: In other words, seek cleaner air indoors, like in malls or community centres. And then also thinking about the possibility of getting HEPA filtration for your home to create a cleaner airspace in your home. Better to prepare now and beat the rush than to Global News.
1: Some new video tonight of that remarkable white orca that's been spotted off the B.C. coast. Fisheries and oceans capturing some drone footage near Campbell River of the baby whale they've nicknamed Taluk. The experts say it's not an albino, but it could have a skin condition, the orca equivalent of acne. They say it could revert to standard colors or stay this way indefinitely. They plan to continue to monitor it.
2: Well, protecting orcas and other marine life from oil spills was the goal of a major drill in Vancouver Harbor today.
1: On the same day, the federal government approved the Trans Mountain Pipeline, Canada's newest and largest oil spill response vessel, led a flotilla practicing for a disaster. Catherine
8: Urquhart reports. What they're doing is they're tying on uh, two, two strings of boom on either side.
9: In Vancouver Harbor, a media event to demonstrate oil spill response improvements.
8: There's a skimming system that will lower down, it's kind of like a conveyor belt, so it'll lower down into the middle of that V, and so that's how they're gonna recover the oil as it it, uh, slips through.
9: Western Canada Marine Response shows off the Coastal Sentinel, Canada's newest and largest oil spill response vessel, part of a $150 million plan to enhance spill response times.
8: So we're looking at going from a maximum six hours down to a maximum two hours in the harbour. And out in the southern shipping lanes, we're going from a maximum 72 hours in some places down to a maximum six hours.
9: The demonstration happened during the 2019 Clean Pacific Spill Response Conference. And on the same day, Ottawa approved the Trans Mountain expansion. Will the improvements be enough?
8: There's five or six tankers that are down at the refineries down in Washington State. Those tankers come through our waters. The tanker traffic is already here. We've got thousands of deep-sea transits going through our waters, again, through the shipping lanes every year. We need to be ready for those spills, and we need to be ready today.
9: The pipeline is expected to result in a seven-fold increase in tankers carrying diluted bitumen and other oil sands products through Vancouver's harbour, increasing from an average 5 to 34 every month. Katherine Cart, Global News.
1: All right, just before weather, a new Spider-Man video is out.
2: After Christie's forecast, why you'll only see it online or on a plane.
1: <laughs> Looks cute. Okay, here is Christie now. We talked about a change coming. Uh, turned into a beautiful day today, though.
16: Yeah, you'll notice in Catherine's pack there, it was beautiful and sunny out on the water for them today here in uh, Prince George as well. So uh, we are seeing a change in that the temperatures have dropped, but the major change really will occur tomorrow. I want to just quickly remind you Friday, June 21st, first day of summer, we change over at 8.54 a.m., 16 hours and 15 minutes of daylight, and then after that, the days get shorter and shorter. But at least nice long days right now with that warmth. 21 to 24 across the lower mainland and areas in the interior hitting close to 30 degrees, but tomorrow you'll feel the change. Most areas down to about 20 degrees, whereas the south coast will likely be around 18 or 19. Now, this is the change that we're expecting for a Wednesday and a Thursday, so rainfall totals to Friday morning, but you'll note that the bulk of the moisture will be in Alberta, not where they need it, up in high level necessarily. They could use it up there, but certainly some areas of Alberta. For our region, not as much, especially the south coast, so Although it's a change, we'll see more cloud and cooler conditions. It's not the soaking moisture that we absolutely need. Let's focus in on the areas, though, that will see moisture, and that's the northeastern corner. So Fort Nelson is under a rainfall warning, but it's really isolated to that area. And then you can see the moisture off in Alberta. Focusing in, though, on the Valemont down to the Columbia area tomorrow. Believe it or not, snowfall expected, especially over higher terrain, just through the early morning period. But uh, just note that. And then for the afternoon, showers and a risk of thunderstorms. So we didn't have many thunderstorms today, but we will tomorrow. Watch out for the potential for severe ones. Tune in and we'll be able to update you on that. Showers for the north coast, rain across the far north. Prince George south, showers and a risk of thunderstorms tomorrow. For the south coast, a mix of sun and cloud, and we do have a slight chance of showers, and we'll see that for the next two days cooler temperatures but we rebound friday saturday i'm hoping for more moisture though on sunday we'll watch to see as that pushes in to see what kind of moisture is in that here's a look at our weather window for tonight rob bagshaw this
2: is a uh leaping larry he said from victoria Mm -hmm. interesting all right thanks christy well a new spider-man short video is out although it's not just to plug a new movie It's important to have
14: your seatbelt on at all times. To fasten your seatbelt, slide the metal end into the buckle, tighten by pulling the loose end of the
1: strap. Spidey is featured in the new safety video for United Airlines, helping flight attendants remind passengers to fasten their seatbelts, carefully store their luggage, and refrain from smoking while on the plane. The video also features some Easter eggs from the Marvel Universe, including a picture of Stan Lee. And guest appearances from other cast members of the upcoming Spider-Man film.
2: It's a good way to get people to pay attention to the That's right. Videos.
1: Always put your oxygen mask on first and right. then help people.
2: I always feel bad your seat
1: yeah. when you're on a plane
11: because you know three quarters of the people are not... They
1: are asleep. not paying attention.
2: No, no. I'm usually <laughs> fast
11: asleep. Yeah, and if there's a disaster, it's like, what did she say again? What did he say again? <laughs>
2: <laughs> did you remind me?
11: <laughs> I know. i got no time to remind you.
2: Vancouver... Hockey town, hockey host this week?
11: Yeah, for the draft. Mm-hmm. They'll all start arriving uh, Thursday. I think all the uh, big prospects show up. And, all, of course, all the teams will be here. This is the draft week. Uh, round one Friday. The rest of the rounds will be on Saturday at Rogers Arena. Tomorrow, though, in Vegas, they'll hand out the NHL awards. And the Calder is for Rookie of the Year. It's between, essentially, Elias Pettersson of the Canucks and St. Louis goalie Jordan Binnington. Pettersson is the favorite. But he's only the favorite because the votes are counted before the playoffs begin. Binnington was good in the regular season, and he's very good in the regular season, but he only played half a year. Pedersen was the top rookie scorer, although he did tail off in the last 20 games. We have to say this, though. If this vote was taken after the playoffs, Binnington would be the rookie of the year for sure, and he'd deserve it for helping to lead St. Louis to the Stanley Cup. But I think Pedersen's still the favorite tomorrow. Uh, Ali Adnan is the Whitecaps' most talented player. He has scored the best-looking goal so far this season. Mind you, he also took the worst-looking penalty kick. But he is a guy the Caps need, except he's not Vancouver property. I know we have talked about this before. He's on loan from an Italian team. And if he wants to stay here, and if the Whitecaps want him to stay here, they're going to probably have to win a bidding war against someone else. And the bidding is going on right now because the loan runs out soon.
17: His fate is we're doing everything still. We hope that this week we're able to, to know what's going to happen. The clock continues
4: to tick on Ali Adnan's time in Vancouver. Adnan's loan set to expire on June 30th. And as it stands now, his future playing status in a caps kit
17: remains up in the air. So the thing is, in our part, we know what we're going to do, and we know what we could do. And in our part, we're ready to move this forward, uh, but it doesn't belong to us, so we have to respect their part when they want to take a final decision. But our part, we're ready.
1: He's going to go between them, Ali Adnan, and he's going to try one goal. Oh! What
4: a goal! Adnan's value to the Whitecaps is undeniable. He's a major construction piece of Mark Dos Santos's rebuild. Good luck trying to negotiate an equitable deal.
17: So it sounds like you're ready to write the check, but it's whether or not it's enough. No, not enough. It's uh, it's them also that could have other plans. There's so many things I can't get into the detail of it because it's confidential with also Odinez, but uh, we're ready to make a move to keep him.
4: Wondering how and why this is likely going to come down to the 11th hour requires a peek inside soccer's transfer window. One where everything is far from being crystal clear.
17: I say it a lot. It's not like you don't go somewhere and, oh, I want to buy this. And if I don't want buy this, I know I go to the other store and there's going to be this waiting for me. It's not like that. You're always, you say, okay, let's put our energy here. We're looking at option B and C. But sometimes option A didn't work, we go back to B and B say, hey, no, we sold them or we made a move over there. And now you're in C and C is, oh, I'm talking with another club. So the dynamics are very special. So now our focus is on Ali. uh, But of course that we, we have other options that we've scouted, look at. And now it's when do we pull the trigger? At what moment? When do we do it right?
11: Italy and Brazil, Women's World Cup of Soccer. This is Barbara Bonacea, and that save is made by Barbara. But when you're a Brazilian soccer player, you don't need a last name. Barbara stops Barbara. Penalty kick for Marta. She has now scored more World Cup goals than anyone. 17. This is her fifth World Cup, and Brazil wins it 1-0 over Italy, Canada, Netherlands on Thursday. Tomorrow at the Men's Gold Cup, Canada faces Mexico. Canada comes into this having won six straight games, but most of those wins are against countries whose names make you think of vacations and not soccer. Dominica, St. Kitts and Nevis, and Martinique, which was Canada's opener at the Gold Cup. Playing soccer against Mexico is no vacation, but maybe not expected to win takes all the pressure off of Canada.
10: You know, I think for this game, the players can, can play freely. You know, I think it's, it's an opportunity where... Uh, it's for Mexico to lose. You know we've got everything to gain. So, you know when when that mindset is is available for a coach and and to craft that in the team, it's it's a perfect situation.
1: The great Alfonso Davies was in that shot. There you go. Sure was. All right. Looking Thanks, play. George Takei, fangirl alert right now. <laughs> Uh, the last yeah, time we, s- yeah, that's right. Um, the last time we saw him, he was here for the uh, Variety Show of Hearts Telethon, but he's back for a very important reason in Vancouver.
11: Well, he was in town also to uh, work on a television series, mm-hmm. which had to do with the internment of Japanese Americans. Of course, it also happened up in Canada. While he was here, he wanted to connect with the local Japanese community and connect with people who went through what he went through up in Canada.
7: December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The word
11: infamy came to mean something more to American and Canadians of Japanese descent, who were taken from their homes and sent to camps because of their ancestry. People like a young George Takei.
12: Innocent people had nothing to do with Pearl Harbor. One of the most egregious violations of what a people's democracy should be.
11: It's a violation that played out in BC for Dr. Aki Hori and his family, who were sent to an internment camp in East Lillooet.
12: It was like desert country. It was just sagebrush, and uh, there was no drinking water, no water, and then there was absolutely nothing.
11: The common experience unites generations on both sides of the
12: border. This is part of the history.
11: And for George Takei, a walk through what was Japantown, while he was here working on a series centering around the internment,
12: brought them closer. And it didn't make any difference whether you're American or Canadian. We were seen as the enemy. There were some
11: differences between the two countries. Japanese Canadians had a choice of a self-supporting camp or a government-sponsored camp. No one could return to the coast until four years after the war, and those in government camps were given a terrible choice in 1945.
12: One, you have to go east of the Rockies, or you have to be deported back to Japan. Even though you're a Canadian-born Nisei, you're going to be sent to a foreign country, Japan.
11: Ultimately, the internments were a story of how fear and racism can blind the country. And to both Aki and George, educating new generations is imperative to keep this from ever happening again.
12: It it is a shameful chapter of our our history, and uh, our history books have been rather mute on it. Our educational systems have been rather timid on it. Why do you think that is? It's an embarrassing chapter. It's, it's one that uh, is a tarnish on our system.
1: I
2: just saw him tweet that he's starting a new podcast as well, so I'm sure I'll be talking about that.
1: Mm-hmm. Busy guy mm-hmm. and a great voice for it. Yeah, he?
2: no kidding.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I love him. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much for watching. We appreciate it. Have a good night, folks.